0: Just a recap of where we are with Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet. He lived six to seven hundred years before Jesus, uh, and in his society, in God's land, God's people had rebelled against him. Society was filled with violence, with injustice, and Habakkuk asked God his first question: "God, are you not going to do something about this?" Now, Habakkuk he hoped God that was going to bring revival, <laughs> but God answered Habakkuk's question, and we saw that answer last week, and it wasn't an answer that Habakkuk liked or understood. God said, I am going to do something about it. I'm going to rise up the Babylonians, and they are going to go into my land, and they're going to bring my people out of it in exile. The Babylonians, they were brutal, they were violent, they were evil. And so Habakkuk had another question. God, how on earth are you going to let this happen? You are a good God. How are you going to let these evil people do these evil things to your people? He struggled to understand that question. And here in Habakkuk chapter two, we're gonna read from verses two to 20. The Lord graciously replies to Habakkuk and he gives him the answer to the question. So let's read this remembering that this is God's word. The Lord's answer. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Indeed, wine betrays him. He is arrogant and never at rest. Because he is as greedy as the grave, and like death is never satisfied, he gathers to himself all the nations and take captive all the peoples. Will not all of them taunt him with ridicule and scorn, saying, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the peoples who are left will plunder you. For you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin you have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and fortifying your life. The stones of the wall will cry out and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. The violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, and your destruction of animals will terrify you, for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Of what value is an idol carved by craftsmen or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to wood, Come to life, or to lifeless stone, Wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let's pray as we come to look at this part of the Bible together. And let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word now and to what you want to say to us this morning, we ask that you would give us attentive ears, open hearts, and seeing eyes. May your word do your work in our lives this morning. O Lord, speak clearly to us this morning as individuals, and speak to us as your church family. Let us hear your voice this morning, we pray, by your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. During the week, I read a story about these two people, Tina and Jean. They're a brother and sister, and they live in America. Gene, the brother, he got a head injury as a child, and because of that head injury, he was badly brain damaged. He's lived his whole life impaired by that brain injury. Now, Gene and his sister, they they never knew what had happened. They never knew the story. They never knew how Gene got this head injury until their mother told them one day. And it was a shocking story. Gene, who was three at the time, and his sister Tina, who was one, they'd gone to their childminder's house. Everything was normal until the childminder's husband had a heart attack. He went to the hospital, and obviously his wife rushed with him to the hospital. And they left the children in the care of their daughter and her boyfriend. Little Tina, one-year-old Tina. She started to cry and the boyfriend started to hit her. And little three-year-old Gene, being protective of his big sister, went over and tried to stop this man in his 20s from attacking his sister. The man lifted little Gene up, and he threw him against the wall. Gene was in a coma, and when he woke up, his life was completely changed. In the article, Tina tells us how she looked up the attacker as an adult not long ago. And she says this. I looked him up to see what happened when he got out of jail. And I discovered some cutesy newspaper article about his 25th wedding anniversary. He wasn't marked by what had happened. Not like Gene is marked. I'd always wanted to believe that when our world stopped, his did too. But he went on to have a life. He only spent a year in prison. Then he got married and had three kids. This just seems so unjust, doesn't it? It seems so unfair. Here is this man who has ruined the life of this child and this family, and all he got was one year behind bars justice was not served there, was it? Tina goes on, and Tina's not a Christian, by the way, but she goes on and she says this. She says, I'm not forgiving him. Gene can forgive him, but not me. And I hope God doesn't forgive him either. Because if the legal system forgives him, and Gene forgives him, and God forgives him, then what's left? there has to be some place in the universe where he's still held accountable. Do you see this morning what Tina longs for? Tina longs for justice to be done. Tina longs for this person to be held accountable for his actions. Tina longs for justice. And in our world today, I don't know if you've realized it, but there is a a loud cry for justice amongst lots of people in the world today. When we look at China and what's happening to the Ouija's there, there there is a genocide going on. They're being wiped out. And there's a cry for justice. May this stop. May, May those who are doing this be punished. But yet we know, don't we, no justice will be done there. The prison guards who are serving there will be celebrated. They'll be heroes. Those people will suffer, and no justice will be done for them. We read in The Sunday Life in our local newspapers about drug gangs in Northern Ireland. We read about human traffickers. We read about sexual exploitation. We read about men who who have organized themselves in such a way that they carry out awful things on our streets. And yet they're not brought to justice. No, they sit safe in their mansions with no criminal record, feeling like they're going to get away with it. There is a longing in our world for justice to be done, for the wicked to serve their punishment. And yet there is this sickening feeling within us all because justice is not being done. People are getting away with all kinds of evil and all kinds of wickedness. And as Christians, do we not ask the question that Habakkuk asked last week? Oh, Lord, how how can you allow this? Oh, Lord, you are good and you're righteous and you're holy. How can you allow this? As Christians, do we not find ourselves resigning with Habakkuk? Listen to what he said last week in, chapter, chapter, in verse 13 of chapter 1. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and who cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? Why are you silent, God? Why are you not pronouncing judgment upon the Babylonians who are going to do evil to my people? Why are you not pronouncing judgment on those who do wicked things in our society? Oh God, why are you letting violence and oppression and injustice go unpunished? We ask that, don't we? We have that question in our minds sometimes, don't we? Why, Lord, are you letting the wicked go unpunished? Well, do you know what, folks? Here in Habakkuk chapter 2, we find out God's answer to that question, and the answer is this. It's, I'm not. I'm not going to let the wicked go unpunished. I'm not going to let the evil men who do evil things get away with their evil. The resounding answer in chapter 2 of Habakkuk is that God is not going to let this happen But this cry of justice that we all feel inside, this cry is going to be answered. The big message of Habakkuk chapter 2 is this. God is going to bring evil people to justice. Let's dig into this passage and see what the Lord says. The Lord begins his answer to Habakkuk um, by by, by saying something quite interesting in verses 2 and 3. Have a look with me there. Then the Lord replied write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits its appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Habakkuk, I want you to write something down. Habakkuk, I want you to take out the tablets, the the, the stone tablets, and I want you to chisel something in them. Do you remember Moses? Whenever God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, something very, very important, something that was to be preserved, he had them written down on tablets of stone. Well, this is what God says to Habakkuk. I want you to write this down. This is something so important that I'm going to say I want it to be preserved. Write this down, Habakkuk. This is very, very important. And Habakkuk, the reason I want it on tablets of stone is because a herald is going to run with it. Do you see that in verse 2? Write it down, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Habakkuk, what I'm going to tell you, I want it to travel. I want it to go with my people through all the generations. Whenever the Babylonians go into exile and bring you with them into exile, I want what I'm going to say now to be with you then. Whenever my people are sitting in a building on Ravenhill Avenue in the year 2021, I want them to be able to hear what I'm saying today. Write it down, Habakkuk. Put it on tablets. This message is one that's going to travel with my people through the generations. And Habakkuk, what I'm going to tell you now is actually going to happen. It might linger. You might have to wait for it. But be assured, it will certainly come. Habakkuk, what I'm going to tell you will certainly come. Now, what God has Habakkuk write down is actually a taunt song I love going to Windsor Park I've really missed it the past year and one of my things at Windsor Park whenever I'm watching Northern Ireland is whenever the, the opposing team's fans are really silent because then we sing a song and we say shall we sing a song for you and we taunt them that's a very friendly taunt as you can imagine there are other taunts which are not quite so friendly but I won't sing those because I don't on the terraces and I certainly can't in church. But there are unfriendly taunts. And this taunt that God composes, this taunt that is to be preserved, this taunt that is for the wicked and the evil people in our world, this is a taunt song that God gives. And the taunt song is a song to remind wicked people of one main thing, that they will be judged that they will face His judgment, that they will face His punishment, that they will be brought to justice, that there will be retribution. This taunt song in Habakkuk 2 is there to remind those people of that, and it's also there to remind us of this. Whenever we look at the news, whenever we question if justice will be done, this is the song we're to go to to remind ourselves that what God says will happen certainly will. So let's have a look at this taunt song. And what you're gonna see is that in this taunt song there are five verses and they all start with the same word, woe, woe, woe. Let's look at the first woe of this taunt song. The first woe in the song is for those who accumulate wealth immorally. And we see it in verses 6 Have a look at the Bible with me in verse 6. God says, Woe to him who piles up stolen goods and makes himself wealthy by extortion. How long must this go on? Will not your creditors suddenly arise? Will they not wake up and make you tremble? Then you will become their prey. Because you have plundered many nations, the people who are left Will plunder you. The Babylonians, that is the immediate context, this this nation that was rising up and taking over the world, whenever they went into another country, they plundered it. They took all of the stuff out of the country with them back to their homeland. Things that didn't belong to them, they took with them back home. They were thieves, they were plunderers they made money from attacking other nations but you know they also made money from not attacking other nations they were very clever they would go to a nation and say listen we we fancy attacking you but if you pay up if you give us enough money we won't touch you The Babylonians were those who stole from other nations and who extorted other nations, and they became this wealthy, vast empire through these means. They amassed great wealth in very immoral ways. And in our world today, there are people who do this too. There are people who amass wealth in very immoral ways, Maybe this morning you're here and you've been a victim of a scam. Ever had those people call you up and they frighten you on the phone with telling you awful things and they they try to encourage you to give you the bank details? Oh, those people are wicked, aren't they? Scheming and planning and stealing from the innocent. It's heartbreaking when you see it on the news. Then there are those who are blackmailers today. They steal information from you online. Or they do something to you online. And then they threaten you. If you don't pay up, we'll expose all of this. If you don't pay up, we're going to do this to you. There are other people who do that too, aren't there? We live in a place where it's very common for people to pay protection money for their shop. Protection money to keep their premises safe. We live in a world today where there is lots of theft and lots of extortion. People do just like the Babylonians did. And when we hear about these scammers and when we hear about these blackmailers, when we hear about these people who intimidate others, we feel sick thinking, why are they going to get away with that? Well, the Lord says, they are not. They are not. In this world, perhaps he will cause people to plunder them. Perhaps he will rip the carpet from under them and and bring them to a crash in this life. But if not in this life, certainly in the world to come. Those who amass wealth through immoral ways, they will face God's judgment. Then we go on to the second verse of the taunt song. And God gives a woe to those who gain security unjustly. Look at verses 9 to 11 with me. Woe to him who builds his house by unjust gain, setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. You have plotted the ruin of many peoples, shaming your own house and fortifying your life. The stones of the wall will cry out, and the beams of the woodwork will echo it. The Babylonians thought they were safe. They had built this great empire. They had built these fortified cities. They had built these huge castles. They had an army as big as any other army. They had great military might. And they thought to themselves, we are untouchable. We know those people today, don't we? They sit at the top of crime gangs. They sit in their hilltop mansions with their high walls and their armed guards. They sit by the pool. They enjoy all the luxuries of life. Every week, money is coming into their pockets through their minions on the street selling drugs. Or trafficking children. They have no criminal record on their case. And they sit there smugly, getting away with evil and wickedness. I don't know about you, but even as I think of those people this morning, I feel sick to think of them sitting there getting away with such evil. To think of them sitting there without any record, any criminal record on their file. But you know what the Lord says? Woe to him. Woe to him who built his house by unjust gain. Setting his nest on high to escape the clutches of ruin. Woe to him. Woe to him, God says that person will experience my judgment. That person will be brought to justice. That person will face retribution for what they have done. The head of every human trafficking ring, the head of every drug cartel, the head of every crime gang, those who sit at the top of the chain feeling so out of reach of harm, the Lord says, I will bring them To judgment. They may not have a criminal record, but I know the record. I've missed nothing. It will all be punished. Then God's third woe is for those who build cities with the blood of others. Have a look with me at the text at verse 12. The Lord says, Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire and that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? The Babylonians, they were so good at building impressive cities, they were famous for it. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon, it was one of the ancient wonders of the world. They built cities like the world had never seen before. But they built it with the bloodshed of their captors. Not their captors, those they brought into captivity. Those they brought into captivity, they they forced to build their cities. They built the cities with the blood of innocent people. And the Lord says to Habakkuk, they'll be judged. They'll be brought to justice for what they're doing. In our world today, again, there are people like this, aren't there? People who build vast business empires, treating people almost as slaves, paying them next to nothing, working them into forced labor, using child labor, maybe not even paying them at all. Today there are fat cats who look at people made in the image of God just like their cogs in a machine that can be discarded once they're worn out. There are people today who build their businesses on the backs and the bloodshed of others. What does the Lord say? He says, woe to them. Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? Folks, I know this is hard going this morning. I know this is hard I know this is heavy, but the Lord has two more woes for us to explore. And so let's continue. The fourth woe this morning is for those who ruin through exploitation. And we see that in verses 15 to 17. But what we see is that there are two types of exploitation highlighted by God in these verses. Two types of exploitation that will incur the justice and the wrath and the punishment of God. And the first one is sexual exploitation. Have a look at verse 15 with me. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors, pouring it from the wineskin till they are drunk, so that he can gaze on their naked bodies. You will be filled with shame instead of glory. Now it is your turn. Drink and let your nakedness be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your body. Woe to those, do you see what it says? Woe to those who get others drunk in order to gaze upon their nakedness. Woe to those who exploit people in order to gaze upon their nakedness. Folks, there is a, a whole industry built around this today. This sums up the pornography industry of today, where women are exploited so that men can gaze on their nakedness. I don't know if you realize what, what an epidemic or what a pandemic this is Did you know that there is one pornography site that gets three and a half billion views per month? Three and a half billion times a month, there is one pornography site that is looked at three and a half billion times a month. That's more than Netflix. That's more than Amazon. This website is the 10th most viewed website in the whole world. And this website is filled with women who have been exploited so that men can view their nakedness. The New York Times recently ran an article exposing this website and exposing what they do and exposing how horrible it is. And in this article, they interviewed someone who'd been exploited by it. Here's what she said. They made money off my pain and suffering, an 18-year-old woman named Tyler told me. A boyfriend secretly made a video of her when she was 14, and it ended up on this website. I went to school the next day, and everyone was looking at their phones, and me as I walked down the hall. She added weeping as she spoke they were laughing. Taylor said she has twice attempted suicide because of the humiliation and the trauma. The pornography industry today is ruining the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. It's ruining the lives of hundreds of thousands of women, and it's ruining the lives of the men who watch it as well. Men, if you're here this morning, and you engage in pornography, everything within me wants to encourage you and exhort you to stop. And it's not only because you're looking lustfully at a woman as Jesus commands you not to, but what you're actually doing, whether you realize it or not, is you are supporting the sexual exploitation of these women. You see, these websites, they, they make their money on, re- on ad revenue. Every time you go onto to one of these websites, you're filling the pocket of someone who's sexually exploiting women. This morning, man, let's be those who say no to this. Let's be those who stand up by making sure we're never on those sites. Folks, this is such a huge problem that it's not just religious people or churches speaking up against it. It's got such an extent that, that secular people, secular organizations, those with no belief in God are even rising up to challenge the pornography industry. As Christians, let's make sure that we're challenging it and never supporting it. And for those who, who, who head up these companies, for those who run them, for those who work in them, for those who, who make this all possible, the Lord says this, the cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around you and disgrace will cover your glory. There's also a second type of exploitation in these verses and it's verse 17. And this is creation exploitation. Exploitation. Look at verse 17 with me. God speaks to a different, he's to the Babylonians but about something else they've done and he says this, the violence you have done to Lebanon will overwhelm you and your destruction of animals will terrify you for you have shed human blood. You have destroyed lands and cities and everyone in them. Here the Lord says, Babylonians, you have exploited my creation and woe to you, For doing that, you went to Lebanon and you plowed down the trees there as well as the people. Woe to you for doing that. You went into the nations and you just brutally killed all the animals. Woe to you for doing that. Folks, this creation, this creation that we enjoy, every animal, every plant, every tree, do you know who that belongs to? It belongs to God. The earth is the Lord and all that is in it, everything that's in it belongs to Him. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to me, the Lord says. This creation that we enjoy, it belongs to the Lord. And what the Lord says here to those who intentionally exploit it and destroy it, he says, woe to you. Greta Thunberg. Do you know Greta Thunberg? She's an 18-year-old environmental activist. And I've got to say, I struggle a little bit with Greta Thunberg because she's just so extreme. You know, I, I struggle to, to really get it. But, but the danger for me was that because I don't get Greta, because I don't get kind of the extreme environmentalism, because I don't maybe subscribe to that, the danger is that I can go to the other end of things and just think, well, do you know what? It doesn't really matter how I treat the earth. But it would be a mistake I see this morning to throw the baby out with the bathwater because the fish and the seas and the rivers and the mountains and the environment, it all belongs to God. And just like how if if you let me use something of yours, I should treat it pretty well because it's yours. I should look after it. The same goes for the Lord. The same goes for his creation. And also, I struggle with the vegans. You know, the militant vegans? I struggle with them. I enjoy a good sausage. I I like a good steak. And and so whenever I hear the the militant vegans, you know, and I I struggle with them, struggle with that. But, you know, I wonder do they have a point somewhere along the line? the mistreatment of animals, that's, that's their big thing. Maybe it would be a mistake for me to think that it doesn't really matter how we treat animals. What does the Lord say here? Your destruction of animals will terrify you. Maybe as Christians we need to think about that a little bit more. But what we do know is that those who destroy God's creation intentionally and who exploit it, he says that they will be judged. You'll be glad to know we're at the fifth and the final woe, and it's the shortest. The Lord says, finally, woe to those who follow a God of their own making. And we see that in verses 18 and 19. Have a look at it with me. The Lord says, Of what value is an idol carved by a craftsman or an image that teaches lies? For the one who makes it trusts in his own creation. He makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says the wood come to life, or the lifeless stone wake up. Can it give guidance? It is covered with gold and silver. There is no breath in it. You see, that's what the Babylonians were doing. They were following the gods of their own making. They set up these idols and they trusted in these idols to give them protection and they trusted in these idols to give them success and they trusted that these idols, these gods, these fake gods actually approved and supported their actions. They'd made up false gods in order to make them feel safe and okay in the wrongdoing that they were doing. Folks, there are people and they do evil, wicked things. And in their minds, they have made up a God of their own making. They've made up a God who's going to let them get away with it. They've made up a God who is not going to punish what they're doing. But that God they've made up does not exist. There is a God in heaven. And the wickedness of men and women he will bring to justice. Proverbs 11:21 says this: "Be sure of this. The wicked will not go unpunished." This morning, let me finish by asking you a question that Jim Packer asks in a book he reads in a book he writes. he says this, and it's going to be on the screen. Do you believe in divine judgment? By which I mean, do you believe in a God who acts as our judge? Many, it seems, do not speak. Many, it seems, do not speak to them of God as a father, a friend, a helper, one who loves us despite all our weaknesses and folly and sin, and their faces light up. You're on their wavelength at once. But speak to them of a God as judge, and they frown and shake their heads. Their mind recoils from such an idea. They find it repellent and unworthy. This morning, whenever you came in, if I had have said to you, how do you feel about God being the judge? My guess is that some of you would have felt like Jim Packer outlines here. I don't like that idea. But folks, what about now? What about now? As you think about the wicked, as you think about the evil in our world, as you think about that man who threw that three-year-old against the wall, how do you feel about God being the judge now? This, my friends, is a good thing. This is a great thing. The judge of the earth will do right. This morning I'm aware that I'm speaking to a room full of people who have had all sorts of different experiences in life. Maybe this morning you sit here and you can relate to Gene. Not because you were thrown against a wall, but maybe you have had people do horrendous things to you. Things that have scarred you, things that have hurt you, things that have harmed your family. Maybe you've been a victim of domestic abuse, of sexual abuse, of emotional abuse, of spiritual abuse. And maybe those who caused your pain, they have gone on to live lives that really have not been marked by it. Maybe they've kept what they've done to you a secret Maybe you're hurt and you're angry. I just want to remind you this morning that there will be a day of judgment and that those people will be brought to justice. That's not going to fix your pain. That's not going to heal your trauma. But I hope this morning that you will be assured that that day will certainly come, it might linger, you might have to wait for it, but be assured this morning, that day will come. Folks, let's not be those who approve of violence or injustice or oppression, let's speak out against it. Let's not practice evil or oppression or injustice or abuse, but let's live faithfully as God's people the way He would have us. And let's never forget this message. The Lord Jesus will one day return. He came the first time as the Savior so that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. But when he comes again, he's coming as the judge. And he will wield his sword of judgment and the wicked will face the punishment they're due. A heavy message this morning, but one which I think we need to hear. At the end of the message, the Lord says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let's just take a moment of silence and listen for what the Lord has said to you and then we'll pray. Lord, your message to Habakkuk was heavy and we have experienced that heaviness this morning. But Lord, we give you thanks for it. We thank you that you, the judge of the earth, will do right. Lord, whenever we see the the wicked get away with their wickedness, when we see the evil do evil and, and get away with it, may we never forget that what you have said will surely happen. It will come to pass. Help us in the days of our questions and confusion to believe and to trust that you're the righteous judge who will do right. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.